0: The message today is entitled, By the grace of God, I'm not going back. By the grace of God, I'm not going back. I wonder if there's anybody here today who has been tempted this week to go back. My hand's up, too. Anybody else been tempted to go back?
1: I'm not going back. And I have
0: have questioned the Lord this week about why the attacks have been so ferocious
1: And I want to share with you today the answer I've received.
0: That God is not interested in doing a superficial work in my heart. And it's as these events transpire in our lives that the squeeze comes on our heart. And as that squeeze comes on our heart, whatever's in there is going to pop out. Or as you're jostled,
1: what spills out is what's inside. And if God were to allow us to not get to the very bottom That's where
0: the most wicked parts of our hearts dwell, in the bottom. And so we could come to church and we could love each other and I could preach wonderful, inspirational sermons and nothing would happen in the depths of your heart. There would be no stirring of the waters. But as we continually
1: press in the power of the Spirit, And we get deeper. The
0: anger becomes more explosive. The violence of our heart grows even greater. And more and more of the depth is exposed. The place where we say, why is this person being so unfair to me? Why won't they just leave me alone? Why won't they just get out of my life? God sends those people. If he sends no one to rile the waters of our lives, we'll never know what lies deep in our hearts. It's the grace of God that we discover what's in the depths of our heart. And as God exposes that to us, we have an opportunity to turn to him. And most of us have become experts at hiding what's in the depth of our heart, even from ourselves, because, frankly, we don't want to admit that that would even be a possibility for us because we're good, upstanding people. If you live without illusion, you're a fool. There are no good, upstanding people. All have sinned and turned against the Lord. None of us has been righteous. And the quicker we get to the depths and understand the twistedness of our soul, the more quickly Jesus can flow with healing power to restore us to his likeness. Until finally Christians come to face the executioner and most men soil themselves as they face the execution on death row. Most men pass out before they get there, and the guards have to carry them to their place of execution, but not a Christian. Finally, the Christian has been to the very bottom and has looked at the desperation and the terror. He's looked at the worst part of his soul, and he's given it to Jesus, and they walk boldly to their execution testifying as they go that Jesus is Lord. Now that person has been taken to the bottom of the barrel, and the very worst has been exposed, and the grace of Jesus has penetrated that heart all the way to the bottom. That's what I want. I want a heart that is totally exposed to Jesus Christ. And he sees what I've tried to hide all my life so I can be respectable. Today I'm no longer interested in being respectable. I'm
1: interested in being transformed and changed by the grace of Jesus Christ. I had someone say to me this week, what does God want from me? You you, and he's not going to leave you alone until he gets you. Now, back in the 1600s,
0: there was bitter warfare between the Protestants and the Catholics in Germany. Over 8 million people died in the war between Protestants and Catholics. Finally, the Protestants won. But whole cities, villages, had been burned to the ground. Fruit
1: trees had been cut down. Lives, families, broken. The economy
0: was horrible. The war had cost Germany everything. And there arose preachers who began to hold to four simple doctrines. And these four simple doctrines resulted in Germany having revival. And the power of God came into that nation and began to heal the wounds of the war. I want to share with you those four key doctrines because I believe these are the same doctrines God is getting ready to use in America. Believe me, the war is coming to America. There's going to be bloodshed and bitterness. There's going to be race war. We're going to see an incredible destruction in our land. We're right on the verge of a total collapse of fiat currency. Our dollar is crashing. Okay, what are the doctrines that God is going to lift up in this last day that will bring revival to America? Here they are from
1: 1697. You can tell these are not newly devised,
0: they are of utmost importance. Number one, a call for total. Self-renunciation.
1: The complete giving up of self to the will of God. Look, guys, there's no way of escaping this. He intends to get to the bottom of
0: our hearts. He wants us. And so the call has to ring out at this church and on the radio Asking people to utterly renounce themselves.
1: To give themselves to the will of God. To not let a family member,
0: to not let a job, to not let prosperity, to not let the wickedness of the pleasure of our day, to let nothing stand between our heart and God's heart. And you understand in Germany in that day, self-renunciation meant renouncing the hatred toward the Catholics. And for the Catholics to renounce their hatred
1: of Protestants. For Christians to come together in Jesus Christ. Number two the teaching
0: of the continuous work of the Holy Spirit, that once the Holy Spirit comes after you, he will not let you go.
1: Our brother Richard testified to that today.
0: This is a doctrine that is so absolutely essential to our hearts. Every one of you today
1: is here because God wants you. He's after you. He's not going to let you go. He is, as that old, old
0: poem announced. He is the hound of heaven. And you can run until you're exhausted and you drop and you say, I'm done. And the next thing you feel is the licking of the hound of heaven on your face.
1: Saying, come on. Get up. Come back. There's a place for you. And you run again
0: and you hear the baying of the hound behind you. You cannot escape the baying of the hound of heaven. And he will bring you to the utter end of yourself in utter exhaustion. And when he has brought
1: you to that place, he will say, come home. Come home, my son, my daughter, I love you. And if you get up and run again, as most of us have, the hound of heaven will be right on your tail. The third doctrine, the utter worthlessness of false religion. based on fear or hope of reward. The utter worthlessness of religion based upon fear or reward. This is so because in number two, we were speaking
0: about the continuous work of the Holy Spirit. And what that work enables us to do is enter into absolute intimacy
1: with our Lord Jesus. Jesus is in himself
0: what this is about. It's not about a fear of hell. It's not about trying to win heaven. It is about Jesus. Fellowship with Jesus in heaven begins now. Heaven does not begin when the sky opens like a scroll and Jesus appears in the heavenlies. He's going to come that way, but he's going to come that way in order to claim those who are in heaven intimate fellowship with
1: Him. And if your religion is based on gaining something, gaining some great reward, or fear of hell, He will not know you. God is about our knowing Him. And his loving us and our loving him. It's about relationship
0: with a person. Jesus is not a high powered computer,
1: he's not mechanical, he is not doctrinal, he is a person. And he wants us in relationship with him as a person. Now the fourth key doctrine
0: that was preached in 1697 that brought forth revival was the teaching of absolute
1: essential equality between lay people and clergy. The work of the church has never
0: been the responsibility alone of a pastor. Always, 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 the work of the church has been the responsibility of the church. Now, yes, there are differing functions. You all are not called, all of you, to preach. Some of you are called to preach. And I expect you to get ready. Because the time is coming very soon when I'm going to be pulling back
1: some on the preaching. And you'll be stepping forward.
0: The church needs organization. And it needs varying functions.
1: But we are all equal. There is no chicken coop pecking order. We are all
0: members of the body of Christ with different gifts, and we use those gifts to win the lost and the dying, to bring salvation to the hearts of people. Those were the four essential doctrines the renunciation completely of self, the continuous work of the Holy Spirit, the worthlessness of false religion based on fear or reward, and the essential equality of the laity and the clergy. Those were the four basic things that were taught that brought healing and revival in Germany
1: after the utter devastation of their land. Kayan Potok, a favorite author of mine, in his book, My Name is Asher Lev, tells
0: the story about a young Jewish boy from Brooklyn who became a painter He said, I drew the way my
1: father looked at a bird lying on its side against the curb. It was near our house. Is it dead, Papa? I was six and could not bring myself to look at it. Yes. Yes. I heard him say in a sad and distant way, why did it die? Everything that lives must die. Everything? Yes. You too, Papa? And Mama? Yes. And me? Yes, he said, and then he added in
0: Yiddish, but may it be only after you live a long and good life, my Asher.
1: I could not grasp it. I forced myself to look at the bird. Everything alive would one day be as still as that bird. Why, I ask. So life would be precious, Asher. Something that is yours forever is never precious. Jesus meets us on the ground of our human condition. He does not condemn us. He came and he was nailed to that cross. He lost all of his dignity. He suffered. All of that Dying, so that through his dying we could live. But his living means we must also die. His resurrection means that we also are resurrected. We can live again. We can let down the walls of bitterness and anger and
0: fear. We can let down the walls of having to please other people. We can let down the walls that have held us in this place of bondage of sickness, of disease. We can let down the walls of expectations and the wickedness that is buried even at the depth of our soul. We can let down those walls and admit to Jesus our human condition. And in that place of human condition, we can come to him and he will not turn
1: us away. As he has pressed me with exhaustion, with the burden of ministry both
0: on the radio and here and in the wide circle of those that he constantly brings me into contact with. This week
1: I finally said, Lord, I've had it. I've had it. As a pastor,
0: Many years ago, I was accustomed to instant and immediate success with the church growing and prospering, everyone positive and excited. People were afraid to miss the service
1: because they didn't know what was going to happen. So curiosity brought people.
0: And now feels to me like week after week after
1: week grinding out the gospel of Jesus. I said, Lord, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And he simply said to me, do you need success that badly? No, I don't. He brought me through. In a moment. I know why we're grinding out church. Because God is finally in a place,
0: finding a people who are willing to go all the way to the bottom of their hearts and allow the work of the Holy Spirit to be accomplished.
1: And frankly, It's not very pretty. One man will lash out in bitter anger at the inner work of the Holy Spirit. Another person will walk away and say, I need need something different. Understand, I don't judge,
0: and I don't have sticky fingers. I don't need to because the Holy Spirit has sticky fingers.
1: This is not Ray's church. This is Jesus' church.
0: And he can grind very smoothly but very fine, taking whatever time he chooses to get to the bottom of your heart where the rebellion and the hurt still abide. He wants to get to that place where you stop living your life and begin to live his life. We all come out of the same human condition. None of us can have any pride and say,
1: that was never me, Pastor. Oh, you're just being an unconscious liar. We all come to the same place where we want to preserve
0: what we, what we love and what we hold on to, and we love and hold on to most firmly the image of ourselves as being the
1: hero. I'm not a hero, but Jesus is my hero. Now, I want to talk briefly about four behaviors that
0: spring out of this work of God coming down into the depths of our heart, lest any of you not understand what I'm talking about today.
1: So let's get down to the bottom of it, could we? Number one and foremost as we are
0: beginning to be pressed by the Holy Spirit and things are not working the way we think they should work, criticism is the first thing that begins to flow from our hearts. I understand if you need to be critical of me because I'm the the bullseye on the target.
1: I make no claim to being right. I'm just a fellow pilgrim on this journey.
0: Criticism will be aimed at our husbands and at our wives. Fights will begin to destroy the love that God has placed between
1: us. Criticism is a an outworking of the most base element of the human heart, which is pride. Every person in relationship with another person has a secret inner life between the two of you. And in that inner life, if
0: the constant moving of our spirit is to criticize that person and try to conform
1: them to our image, then we are in a desperate place of pride. We are called by the Spirit of Jesus to understand
0: and to put away, to let that pride be crucified let that criticism be removed from our hearts. And you will know that Jesus has been successful in removing that element of pride when flowing out of your heart is a constant stream of affirmation and love for another person. Where you don't need to correct them anymore that you trust Jesus to correct them. You don't need to control them anymore because you trust Jesus to control them.
1: Where instead of judging, you humble your heart and you encourage them, not pointing out their fault. The second great
0: weapon of a heart that is in danger of being exposed by the power of the Holy Spirit is defensiveness. Manifests himself in name calling,
1: name calling in terms of scorn. How come you're so stupid? Can't you see that I'm right and you're wrong? an absolute unwillingness to admit your part in the fight.
0: It's always the other person's fault. If they weren't so stupid, you could get along with them. You don't suffer fools well. This is a sign that God is trying to get at
1: this deep well at the very bottom where pride lives. Defensiveness says, I have to survive even if it means you die. Because I'm right and you're wrong. And frankly, I don't want to listen to you anymore. I don't don't want to listen to your nonsense. You're just an idiot.
0: Manifests itself easily and quickly as we're driving and someone cuts us off and we are free to let loose our description of them and what we think about them like why don't you get off the road and make way for people who know how to drive
1: I know none of you exercise this The third is a kissing cousin of defensiveness. Contempt. Contempt is a total devaluation
0: of the other person. If they were just as smart as you are, the world would be such a wonderful place.
1: If you would just grow up, and be like me. This is especially apparent among husbands and wives. The husband
0: begins to tell a story and the wife rolls her eyes.
1: says, I've heard that a million times. Don't let me hear your story one more time. Contempt. See, we can put up with a
0: lot of nonsense with each other until the pinching of the Holy Spirit becomes painful. And when the pinching of the Holy Spirit becomes painful
1: through traffic tickets, loss of a job, sickness, overloaded with work, as we begin to be pinched, not getting what we want, not having our
0: friends or partners fulfilling the desires of our heart. How could I have been so dumb to marry this person? Obviously, our marriage is a mistake. Frequent use of the D word, contempt builds and grows. And it's a sign the Holy Spirit is finally coming and trying to
1: expose the ungodliness of your heart he wants to get at that, at the very root. And the most dangerous of these four elements is stonewalling. All right, you're going to be like that? I'm just not going to talk anymore. I'm going to be quiet. And I know couples who will go days at a time and
0: not speak to one another. I know people who say, God, if you're going to treat me like this, I'm not going to pray to you anymore. And stonewall God for a day or two days or a week until the Holy Spirit puts such a squeeze on you that your heart just begins to cry out and say, Oh
1: God, are you still there? I'm sorry. Have any of you been there? Where you just said, I'm not talking to you anymore, God. I've had it with you. When that happens, know that the Holy Spirit is the closest. And he's after you. Stonewalling can be just saying, okay, I'm going to get busy. I've got a lot of work to do. And I'm going to be responsible and get my work done. And I'm not going to pay attention anymore to what my heart's saying to me. Because it's going to
0: cost me too much if I begin to pay attention to those deep inner things that the Holy Spirit is trying to deal with me about. Often this stonewalling is accompanied by violence,
1: Punching holes in walls for the guys. Yelling and screaming for the women. Violence. And this is the last sign of one trying to protect
0: that deep inner place of utter wickedness where we essentially dwell. We can put on all the pretty faces and all the nice manners,
1: but essentially, down deep in the heart, there is murder and mayhem. Don't mess with me. I'll kill you if you do. This was seen in Cain. He was angered by his brother's righteousness.
0: He tried to convince his brother that he was right, and Abel would not agree with him, but disagreed and stood firmly for the
1: Lord God of heaven. And it enraged him, and he killed his brother
0: and set up for eternity a righteous standard of a man who was not willing to allow the bottom of the wicked heart to rule over him. But he would do what God called him to do.
1: And he would offer a lamb. He would offer Jesus as his only hope.
0: You see, at the bottom of this deep well of hurt and anger and mayhem, there is a feeling, there is a sense, there is the
1: reality If I can't have my way, I can't live. And the only solution is to go to the cross. When Jesus was put on the cross, one man,
0: crucified with Jesus, cursed him and said, if you're the Savior, come off that cross and and rescue us too. We are
1: all wicked men here. If you have power, rescue us in wickedness. The third man rebuked him and said, don't speak so
0: we deserve what we got, but this man is righteous. Remember me on the day of your kingdom, and Jesus
1: said, today I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. I can't think of anything that could take a man so deep in his soul as crucifixion. Where we finally saved? all right. It's over. I'm dying. We have to come to that place. Utter renunciation of self,
0: of self-pity, of the fulfillment of the lust of our heart, Fear is only a flag waving out of the depths of our soul, signaling that there is immense wickedness yet in the depths of our heart. This is the human condition. None of us can sidestep this and say, Pastor, you're not talking about me. Oh, I know I'm talking about you
1: and me. And Jesus alone went to that cross to die for me, that I could live with him.
0: It means going to the depths of my soul and not
1: avoiding that well of darkness and poison. All addiction flows out of an avoidance of pain whether it be heroin abuse, medications, whether it be television, entertainment, football, whatever the world offers, we get addicted to it because
0: we don't want to deal with that inner well of absolute filthy darkness. And it's into that place that Jesus finally must enter with his cleansing and healing power.
1: And he will come into that place unbidden by exposing us
0: time after time after time in the wickedness of our heart until we grow so sick of the wickedness
1: of our spirit that he finally says, are you ready to let me wash you and make you clean all the way to the bottom? Are you ready to serve me and let me use you for the salvation of others? I know my addressing this so honestly and so openly could cause you some pain and anger. But let's be very straight. It's not money we need.
0: It's not healing of disease that we need. It's not a
1: relationship with a man or a woman that we need. It's not success that we need. It's Jesus to come with a power washer and clean out the bottom of the barrel of our heart with his blood. That's what we need. And all
0: of us in this room are at various places with this process. We have each
1: fought and yelled and screamed, rolled over and played dead, been victim, complained and moaned and groaned, been angry at others, accused others, fought with others, blamed others, Finally, by the power of the Holy Spirit, who will never let go, we come to a place where we say, Lord, it's me. It's me. I need you, Jesus. I need your blood. I need your healing. I'm going to die if you don't come. Almighty God, we need you. The National Prayer Chapel needs you. I need you. Lord, I'm not going back. trusting you, Jesus, to do this work all the way to the bottom of the barrel. To sanctify me wholly and completely and to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let it be so according to your will, Jesus. Quickly.
0: Lord, I've spent too much time fighting for my
1: survival. Lord, I surrender my survival into your hands. I renounce.